When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to the PHNX Coyotes podcast. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Leah here in Phoenix. PD's in Scottsdale. We have DJ Bean joining from Boston, and Craig is... Joining from the Brazen Head in Ireland? Yeah, it's a little chilly here in Dublin today, but, you know, hopefully uh, it's pretty busy right now. Hopefully uh, I'll get a beer here soon. How big a pain in the ass would Craig be to work with remotely? Like every freaking day, hey, look what I meant today in the office. Every meeting would be a freaking gong show. He already does that. I'll text him. He's like, hold on. I'm just finishing a bike ride through Perth (laughs) on his his, uh, Peloton. So bougie. So bougie. (laughs) Oh boy. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for joining us, everybody. And DJ Bean of What Chaos, thanks so much for joining us for your weekly segment. How are you doing? I'm doing outstanding. I'm, that's actually a lie. I'm lightly under the weather, which means I'm being a huge baby all day and acting like breathing is the most difficult thing in the world. And I don't know what it is, but I have found, I don't know, there's two other men on this uh, chat with us. Uh, Men are huge, huge, huge babies whenever they're sick. They're the only people that think that, like, they can't go on when they fall under the weather. I'm very aware that men do this, yet when I get the sniffles, I cannot help but be a huge baby. So, Leah, to answer your question, how am I? I am bloody terrible. <laughs> I, I, I am deeply, deeply upset and just hating life because I have the sniffles. How was your pain threshold? How do you deal with pain? How do you cope with that? Uh, I always got allergy shots when I was a kid, so I never I was always okay with pain, although I was always confused when watching like hockey fights that they didn't cry more. Because I was like, if somebody punched me in the face, I would begin to cry. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Uh, so I have an okay pain threshold. I can put up with it, but when I'm even a little ill, oh boy, what a coward. <laughs> I'm so glad you said something right off the bat because I was going to make a comment about how men are babies about being sick, but you just went ahead and said it. So I appreciate it. Um, (laughs) Craig, of course, his technology is failing him. If you watched our Christmas episode, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. Well, DJ, uh, we're officially halfway through the NHL season for most teams. Game 41, at least for the Coyotes past this past weekend, we're going to talk a lot about that today on our show but we want to kind of get from you you know someone who follows the nhl as a whole pretty closely just like if you can look back at games one through 41 for the entire league what are just some of the things that pop into your head as big takeaways for the first half of the season i the, the biggest one has to be for me the arrival of the vancouver canucks i think that that was a surprise obviously the jets being are they still tops in the league overall like the no they're they're not but like the jets being 
one of the best teams in the league and the best team in the central division is a huge surprise to me. All the stuff that went down with the Oilers was really confusing and surprising. The Rangers arriving in the way that they have. I would say something about the Red Wings, but they've been so hot and cold. So I guess there's nothing too crazy there. Biggest thing for me, though, is the Canucks arrived. And I thought that we were all just kind of constantly going to be waiting for that. It's actually happened. Yeah. So they're the Ottawa Senators, right? We, we, we thought you know, we're, we're waiting on Ottawa still because we keep hearing all this promise. And but they're better not- this year, aren't they, Craig? They're on their way up. All those young players they have. This is cool. their year. I mean, move again. Give, give me <laughs> as much weird stuff happening with the Senators as possible because it means we get more Michael Andlauer <laughs> press conferences. And I Let's love go. that guy. He is my favorite player in the league. Owner of the Senators is my favorite well, player. The people that you've referenced on every appearance so far on our show. So yeah. Michael Andlauer and myself. <laughs> Oh well, I keep waiting for the, the to collapse in Vancouver. I, I, their goaltending has been unbelievable. They're scoring goals at a ridiculous pace. I just keep waiting. Oh, it's going to happen next week. It's going to happen, and here they are. And that's all with tearing it up. And that's all with Quinn Hughes playing out of position at defense. <laughs> you, tell me, you guys all saw and heard that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. For, for those who don't know what we're talking about, Bruce Boudreaux said that somebody in the Canucks organization wanted to move Quinn Hughes to forward. I think center. Yep. Um, yeah. It's just a crazy, crazy Which thought. We discussed on the show today. Like, obviously, that is a crazy thought, and hopefully, nobody in power was actually throwing that idea around. But then we got into the conversation of like, would Quinn Hughes be good at center? We all agreed. Quinn Hughes would be awesome at center. And by the end of the conversation, we were like, yeah, Bruce Boudreaux, what a coward. Why didn't you do it? Move him to center. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm all for the chaos. Not you know, That's why your show is called what it is. But I feel like the first half of the NHL season has given, it's given us a lot of drama. Everything last week with the whole Cutter Gauthier situation, um, all the stuff with the Senators. There's just, I feel like this has been one of the more entertaining NHL seasons. Dramatic. I remember. Yeah. In, in terms of drama and storylines uh, off the ice as well. So that's, that's made it a fun season so far for sure. Yeah, and it's also weird that like we're saying this all with Connor Bedard out. Like he, the beginning of the season for me was like, I must watch every single Blackhawks game because you cannot take your eyes off this kid. And he's skating, which I think we're maybe getting a little ahead of ourselves with the fact that he's skating because famously, uh, you do not need a jaw to skate and you do not need a, a face to skate, although eyes help, I suppose, and mouth and breathing and stuff like that. But like for the season to be this exciting while also having going in probably the number one or two storyline of the season put on pause speaks to how action packed this has been. Like there, there's never been a stretch of the season where I've been like, you know what? I'm a little hockeyed out. I'd like to take a couple of nights off from this. Like th- this has been a thoroughly compelling season because the West has been so interesting and the teams that maybe we thought would be dead, like the Bruins, didn't really go away. There's still a lot of excitement in the East. Every division so far has been pretty good. The Pacific has been an absolute party. And now you got the All-Star game coming up with those weird-ass jerseys. The fun never ends. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
We'll get to those in a minute. I want to look at the other end of the spectrum. We talked a lot about good teams and you mentioned the West and and I don't know if you know this, but Petey's from Minnesota. So not to hint at where I'm going here, but some teams that maybe we thought were, or were certain were playoff teams. What about that end of the spectrum? Who is, who surprised you with how poor they've been so far? I mean, I got excited by the good runs in, let's say, like the second month of the season from the Ducks and the Sharks. I know that the Sharks have been left for dead forever, but once they woke up and they went on a bit of a heater there, I put them on official uh, in-the-picture watch, which, I mean, being in the picture isn't even that good being on watch for potentially being in the picture. Isn't that impressive? But when you're the sharks, I think it is because they had started so horribly and they were unable to win any games. It bums me out that that switch got fully turned off and it bums me out that the ducks after their promising start fell back to earth because I do like when teams maybe take that leap forward in their development a year or two earlier than expected. I think that everybody expects the Ducks to be awesome at some point because they have so many good young forwards. I thought maybe they were just doing it this year, and I thought people were too early on expecting the Sabres to do it. Famously, they have not done it. I liked the idea of a team like the Ducks doing it. That hasn't come to fruition. You mentioned the Wild. The good thing there is that no one cares about the Wild, so... I knew that was coming. (laughs) Even if they don't arrive where you'd like them to, it's disingenuous to say that you wanted them to arrive because you didn't think about them because they're the wild. Although I will say that little spark they got under Heinz for a little bit almost had my interest. They were like two more weeks away from interesting watch, which is not when you're interesting. It's when people are considering, hey, could this team eventually become interesting, which is that the wild are are never that close to that. So good for you. good, Good for them, PD. No. Yeah, no, they're they're rotten. They're one of the worst teams in the NHL. They're, they're, their front office is an absolute chaos. I don't know what the hell's going on in Minnesota. They're a disaster, and it's only going to get worse. They keep saying it's going to get better when Suter and Parisi come off the books. I'm not so sure. The Coyotes beat that team 6 nothing. Boy, howdy. I do have one. one we're talking about somebody that's having a tough start this year. Uh, separate from all the team stuff, where are you at with the Alexander Ovechkin chasing Gretzky? He's got eight goals. He, he is halfway to the worst offensive output in his entire career. And everybody's always going to break it. He's going to break it. Mm, maybe not yeah I mean like he's not on a good team he's on an old weird kind of bad team and like the Washington Capitals right now are the car in your friend's driveway that you've seen for a while and you never really wondered is that like an operating car do people take that car out and that's where the that's where the the Capitals are this season and I don't know what gets Ovechkin back to being Ovechkin. He's not a player who I think has a skill set predicated on being a certain age. Like certain guys age okay into their twilight years because like like I don't think Ovechkin's going to become a markedly worse shooter as he gets older. So I don't really know what it is. I, I think that maybe it's just that he's on a bad team and that maybe... Maybe like he needs an oil change or something like that. Something to rejuvenate him, something to spark him. But he's not the Ovechkin we've seen. Like we're getting jokes about like how many more goals is he going to score the rest of his career. I want him to get there because he is the best goal scorer of all time. So I think that he should hold that record. But 
Yeah, that is one that belongs on the list of like what the hell happened there this season. Absolutely. Uh, now I want to get from you, you know, we're looking ahead at games 41 through 82 or 42 through 82. What is What are some predictions that you have for the second half of the season? They can be realistic uh, or not, or maybe a mix of both. I mean, my uh, my oil men have to finish top three in the Pacific. They are one point behind the Kings right now, which is crazy because we thought that they would have to bust ass just to get to being a wild card team. They are a wild card team now. If the season ended today, they'd be the first wild card team based on points percentage. I don't think they're going to keep winning every game, which it blows my mind that 10 games in a row is the best the Oilers have ever done. Gretzky overrated. You guys would know. Coyotes people might be. Many are saying. I think the Oilers are going to finish way higher than we expected. Maybe they end up finishing like second in their division, which for a team that had Stanley Cup aspirations... If you miss the whole regular season, maybe you'd look at the end of the season and say, okay, yeah, everything went according to plan for them. So that's one thing. I think they're going to finish much higher than we would have thought they would when they were firing Jay Woodcroft and trying to figure everything else out. My question in the West is, uh, where do your Coyotes end up? Do they end up being a wildcard team? Because there's so many in-the-mix wildcard teams. Coyotes are smack dab there. I mean, Seattle and Edmonton have to come back down to earth first, and they will. But, Seattle finally lost today. Yeah. And I don't know. We've been talking about this a lot on our show. Bill Armstrong even said at the start of the season that he didn't think this was quite a playoff team. He just wanted them playing meaningful games. If if I had if I were pressed, I would probably say, yeah, that's how it's going to shake out. They're going to they're going to stay competitive, but they're probably not going to quite get in this season. I I just I see too many deficiencies on the roster right now. Tell you what, we did we uh, we got Sean Dersey on the show tomorrow. Yeah, people awesome. forget he plays for the Coyotes, and he was fantastic. One of the most bananas interviews I've ever done in my life. Come on, and you yeah. guys have done a lot of bananas yeah. interviews. That that bar is set pretty freaking high. No, the, I mean the, the the first question was a very tongue in cheek uh, icebreaker, and because he was such a nice person, he answered it sincerely, and we had to cut him off and be like, "Please, we're so sorry." And then once he understood that he was talking to. Some ace interviewers, but also uh, a couple of bozos. It became very, very fun. And we talked to him for like like an hour. It was amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Looking forward to it, actually. Yeah, everybody tune in tomorrow. What chaos? Coyote on what chaos? The, the, the question is, and I will toss in the chat one more time the uh, link to what chaos. Please subscribe on YouTube. The question is whether it will end up better than his appearance on your show, because that was a very, very good one. When he mm. when he uh, photobombed, he photobombed our interview, and he but it was a great interview. I tell you, the kid likes the camera, and he, he likes to talk. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah. Now we just get scoring again. That'd be good. <laughs> All right. Uh, what chaos bump? Tomorrow. Yes, yes, that's true. There has been a what chaos bump, so we'll have to we'll have to wait and see on that. We could use it. Is DJ frozen? Or is he just he looks frozen? <laughs> <laughs> that's just how excited he is he's so excited about the sean dersey interview oh man i feel like i'm back now yeah Yeah, i knew that that it was a me thing because i have the stream open on another computer and i could see you guys continue to move and and i was frozen (laughs) i just thought you were just enthralled with what we were discussing because you're so sick as Madonna <laughs> says, you're frozen when your heart's not open. And by the way, get to the hospital after this, okay? <laughs> Take care of yourself. Yeah, I mean, I lo- do. Do I look and sound terrible? I mean, well, 
You know, as as a fellow guy, yeah, it looks pretty rough right now. Oh, I love the idea of guys getting like secondhand babiness for other guys, but you're sick. Oh no! <laughs> Can we got that right there? <laughs> you got too excited. <laughs> we should all imitate. Oh my gosh! What if we just freeze should, along yeah, with him freeze. to make him feel better? <laughs> oh my! I'm like here eventually, I think. Oh man. Um, okay. Well, as we await DJ to unfreeze, we are going to get his takes on the all-star jerseys next. I know that we spent a lot of time talking about it on Saturday night and I did watch what chaos earlier today and you might be surprised to hear what there he is. Folks. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. You might be, uh, you might be surprised to hear what DJ thinks about the all-star jerseys is where I was getting DJ. If you missed all of that. Um, so Danielle, did. Let's, let's do it. Let's recap. Um, so these are the all-star jerseys and we, we pretty much bashed them on Saturday. I'll be transparent. Um, but then more stuff came out. We have the models photos. You kind of get a different, at least for me, I'll speak. I got a different sense of them when I saw them being modeled. Cause I thought, Oh, like I kind of get the idea behind them. I still don't like them. Um, but DJ, I want to get your thoughts. Cause we've all shared our own already. Okay. I eventually, and I've been all over the place on these things. I eventually settled on. I will get one in a size, two sizes too big. And just let it drape over me the way those cool kids were doing in that lookbook type thing. Because I think that if you try to wear it like you wear a regular hockey jersey streetwear wise, the crest is so huge. And then you've also got the star behind it. I'm very anti huge crests on authentic jerseys because when you sit down, the whole jersey folds and it's weird and it looks like you're wearing what's the thing that people used to wear in the olden days where it was like, a flat thing and there was a tie in the back and you would use it to uh maybe like conceal a corset a, a corset no craig yeah. would know from high school yeah <laughs> yes all right yeah uh so that's how i feel about that initially when i saw it i quote tweeted it with mario party ass because it looks it has just like a very mario party aesthetic to it the more i looked at it and then when i saw the back where it has the Num the name underneath a number with a bubble, all lowercase, like it's an Ariana Grande song title, or to make it a more relevant one, a Tate McRae song title. There There's the other reference. There's bingo. I, yeah, bingo. We hit it. Uh I you knew it was coming at some point. I was like, you know what? This is curated stupidity. And that I can respect. They thought of every stupid element and put it on this jersey. And if you're going to do something, do it all the way. I like that they did this all the way. They were like, should we maybe put stripes on the bottom of the jersey so it looks like a good jersey in some way? No, can't have that. We have to have stripes on the arms so it looks like a motocross jersey. This is the way we do it. And we put a bubble on the back with a lowercase name. And this is so. And it looks like Mario Party. Let's send it out there. No, perfect. No notes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I, I heard on your show earlier that Sean wants the white one. Pete wants the yellow one. And you like the red and the blue. So, yeah, it, it's it, it, we all fit together. We call the show chaos, but it's uh, that's only because what harmony doesn't sell. <laughs> There's already a, a band 
fifth harmony so it would have been too close yes people forget <laughs> uh, we are often confused with the band's fifth harmony there you know that was less of, that was more patronizing so i respect that i mean understanding all the flaws within the jersey and they all came together for this horrible goodness unlike yeah, I mean, sean who immediately loved them which is right? Right. So that's what's wild to me. It did. It took me 20 minutes to get there. I would say it took me like 10 minutes. Took Pete 20 minutes. Sean was immediately like in. Love these. Let's do it. Shocking. Our, I'll tell you what. Shocking. Our pro shop wars at the all-star game is uh, going to be a scene. I don't know what's going to happen, but we're probably all going to get those stupid things. <laughs> of course. <laughs> all right. Well, you mentioned that Sean Dersey is coming on the show. What time can people watch that tomorrow? And anything else you want to talk about that's coming up for what? You can watch that interview tomorrow at U.S. noon, <laughs> noon, 12 p.m. in the United States. In the United States Eastern? Uh, United States. I don't, I don't understand your question. Our, so, our time zone is U.S. Okay. So 10 a.m. for all of our listeners in Arizona. <laughs> 10 a.m. live. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Arizona, noon U.S. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, Arizona yeah. doesn't subscribe to everybody else's time zones. There's no daylight savings here. So I guess that works. Ah, that's fun. I like yeah. that. But yeah, yeah. Seriously, check it out. Dersey was amazing we're going to get he was so good that we're going to get a sean dersey uh uniform a jersey for the studio awesome and i think it's going to be desert nights because that's wow. my favorite of the coyotes uniforms yeah they, they do have other things because they also have a streetwear designer similar to uh, the all-star jerseys the coyotes not, not the only team in hockey not only to have one streetwear designer they they've had two so so we discussed that with him we asked him uh do you ever buy clothes or do you, do you just wait for the next collab? <laughs> the answer may surprise you. I can't All right, wait. I'm in. I'm, I'm hooked. I'm ready to watch. Oh, man. All right. Well, DJ, thanks so much. And I hope you feel better. Get some rest. Thank Have you so soup. much. Guys, you know, guys, you know where I'm coming from. There's no joke. All right. I'm going to go cry. Okay. Bye, DJ. Bye. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thanks again to DJ Bean for stopping by, especially when he's sick. We do appreciate his time. Um, but really excited to catch that Sean Dersey interview tomorrow on What Chaos. So again, check that out. 10 a.m. Arizona time live on the What Chaos YouTube page. We got to get those guys out here to Arizona. Um, they're, they're definitely due to be here. And when they come, we'll be sure to take them to Illegal Pete's Today is Monday, which means it's Margarita Monday, $3 margaritas all day long. And I'm sure a lot of people have the workday off today. So head on over to Illegal Pete's for their weekly deals. You can kick the Monday blues with $3 margaritas all day long or ease your way back into the week with $2 tacos every Tuesday. And if you work in healthcare or education, you can take your team to lunch at Illegal Pete's every Tuesday and enjoy buy one, get one free entrees. And don't forget to unwind after a long day at their happy hour, which is 3 to 8 p.m. every day. One of the best happy hours in the Valley for sure. Illegal Pete's is your go-to spot for burritos, buddies, and beer. And with all that money that you saved at Happy Hour from Illegal Pete's, take it on over to the Desert Financial Credit Union. They've, for more than 84 years, Desert Financial has been Arizona's largest, most trusted local credit union dedicated to creating exceptional experiences by giving back to the community and providing financial solutions that make lives better, just like our Craig S. Morgan. If it's good enough for Craig, it's probably too good for you. When you open a free checking account online, get $200 in bonuses. Get started by visiting desertfinancial.com slash 200.
84 years, huh? So that was during high school. <laughs> yeah, when you were in high school. Wow, I can't believe you made that joke about yourself because I've definitely made that joke yeah. about you before. Got it out before you could dive in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that the theme of today's episode is getting ahead of it before I have a chance to say it um, with both you and DJ. All right. Uh, well, Coyotes have officially played 41 games and it's time to take an extensive look at the Coyotes at the midway point. If you missed Craig's article, um, this was it this morning or yesterday? I can't. The days are all blurring together. Extensive is the right word. So, uh, yeah, settle yesterday, right? Read yeah. That Go go phnx.com. Make sure you read it. Check it out. It goes super in depth. Oh my god! Oh my god! There's no way. I literally quit. For those listening on audio, Craig just got handed a beer um, outside the brazen head. Outside the brazen head. His server just served served him up. Oh man! That's a good Irish red ale. Wow. Okay. Craig just never ceases with the comedy content that was outstanding. Oh, poor Tara. Like, poor Tara. Which is. Yeah, 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 back in the States, that's rough for her. Left her back in the States where you're parading around Ireland. Oh, boy. All right. Back to what I was saying. Midway point of the NHL season. Craig wrote about it extensively at gophnx.com. Make sure you check it out. Um, But we're going to expand a little bit upon what Craig wrote. And let's start off by just giving our thoughts overall uh, on the Coyotes at the midway point of the season. Danielle, if we can take a look at the graphic comparing this year's team 41 games into last year's team. So this year's team... 21, 18, and 2, 44 points, 12th in the Western Conference, have a plus three goal differential and are just three points out of a playoff spot. This team last year at 41 games, 13, 23, and 5, 31 points, ranked 14th in the Western Conference, had a negative 41 goal differential and were 18 points out of the playoffs. Who wants to start? I think you guys should start because, you know, I I wrote 3,000 words (laughs) on this topic. So, you know, when you put those things, you put them head to head, you go, oh my gosh, what that, that's a really pretty good improvement. Like you, you, you've improved your points output like 13 points over the first half of the season, which if you extrapolate that and did double it, that'd be 26 points over a season over season, which is phenomenal phenomenal increase um the other one that really jumps out at me is the is the differential and goals differential last year they're minus 41 this year they're a plus three which has two things the, their goaltending has been much more consistent and, and much better than it was a season ago and they're able to score goals this year at a much better pace and they're they're spread out over many players now last year it was really the the clayton keller schmaltz and 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 kraus and hayton towards the end of the season but it really was those two that led the way and i think now you have more balanced scoring on this team um i, I I'm still concerned at the direction they're going for the second half, which I'm sure we're going to talk about later. But to this point, at the 41 game point, I think it's exceptional. And the year over year has been has been very, very good. They've taken a step forward through the rebuild, and I think this is a good sign for the direction of this franchise. Leah, yeah, I think I think having the things compared next to each other really helps you see the bigger picture. And Craig's headline of his article was perspective reveals clear progress. Um, And I think that's important. You know, we do post game shows every single night. So on a day that they lose six two, you know, we're really down and out. And on a day they win six, nothing, we're really high. But when you kind of just package the first 41 games together and look back as a whole, 
like that's progress. And when you look, when you talk about the fact it's year three of the rebuild and all you wanted to see each year over year was a step forward, a step forward. And maybe each step forward has been a little bit more than we all thought. I mean, year one, they were awful year two. They, we thought, oh my God, they're going to be in the mix for Bedard. And then they finished sixth last, which is still bad, but it's not bad, bad. Um, and now they're in like, as of right now on January 15th, they're still in the playoff race in the West. I know it's extremely tight and, you know, the odds are stacked against them in some ways, but they're in the mix and that's another step forward in the right direction. So when you look at it as a whole, it's kind of encouraging when you, when you're thinking about the rebuild, kind of taking a bird's eye view on everything. I don't know. It's I, it makes me happy to see. Yeah. And isn't it funny? Like it, it, I don't think it's as bad as the NFL where they only play once a week. So like, everybody's like either going crazy. This team's going to the Super Bowl, or we're going to get the first overall pick. Um, but with the NHL, like Im- imagine if the midway point had fallen after that Calgary game, instead of one game earlier, what the view might be right now. So it's like you said, Lee, it's really important to take that step back, look at everything that they were aiming for and what they've accomplished and, and comparing it to past seasons really, really shows you the progress that they've made. Yeah, and I want to be clear too because I saw Christian's comment in in the chat saying, "Let's think we're moving forward." And absolutely moving forward, without question, they're moving forward. I am just concerned where the second half of the season goes for this team, based on this year. But this year over last year, there is absolutely no question. And one of the other things to keep in mind is how much better Tucson is doing. And what they're doing down there in the first half of the season versus half season a year ago, that team is much better, um, which shows your prospect and development pool is better than it was a year ago. So I think everything in the franchise is moving forward, not just here in Arizona. Yeah. And imagine, as Leah said the other day, imagine the players that are going to be on that roster next year, like Mavlam, Connor Geeky, Artem Duda, maybe, um, maybe Sam Lipkin. I'm curious, like Tucson could be just a fascinating team next season. Well, we're going to kind of look at this team by category, much like Craig did in his article. And obviously, once again, go read the article because it's going to go way more in depth. Um, But let's start with talking about the coaching up until this point Um, for Andre Turney. You know, he came in here blank slate, his first NHL head coaching job. The team had zero expectations to perform. Now there are. And it feels like recently for the first time, we might have started to question some of the... I mean, I know PD has always had his qualms about certain defensive zone coverages uh, over the years. But this is, you know, the first... Like, Craig brings some of them up in the article. Like, why do you play Liam O'Brien every single night? Why are certain players getting scratched and others are in and things like that. Um, and it, it's cool because for two years, we couldn't really say that it was just like, yeah, whatever. Um, but the one thing we do know about Andre Turney from interacting with him on a day-to-day basis and also hearing from the players is that he's a really, really well-liked coach by this team. Yeah. And, and, and again, I, I'm going to go light myself, but I, I, the, the main thrust of what I wrote about the coaching was what you just pointed out. There were no expectations. Now there are expectations. Andre was the first one to bring this up when I asked him about, I think I asked him about late last season or maybe even that uh, Q&A that I did with him during the summer. He said, this is the easy part. It gets hard when there are expectations. That's when that's when the pressure is on you, not only from the fan base, which of course it is right now, but from management, from everyone, from ownership. They want to see 
you competing for a playoff spot. PD, again, you've been inside the room for that. So you felt that, like literally felt that pressure. I'm curious what that progression has is like because you've been in that situation with other coaching staffs. Yeah, but it's funny, though, because you look at what he did last year, and I think the key to what he's done over his first two seasons prior to this year is he built that 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 communication link between himself and the players. And I think that was established before the pressure cooker started. And I don't think the decisions he made last year, one, we didn't look at them as closely as we are this year because they matter. Every point matters right now. I, I, I do think that he has... You know, would would I have done things differently? Well, yeah, but I'm sitting behind a microphone, and he has to make those decisions based on winning. Well, you can see he's feeling the pressure, though, and you can see that his ability to make those decisions is really influenced by his communication with his players. I think this is an important year for him, and and how those two things meld either the the relationship with the players along with the expectations of winning. I think those two things. Are, are, are getting married this season. And I think he is understanding, Abe, hey, he's been a coach for a long time. He's been in pressure situations and playoff situations. And he's done this before, just hasn't done it here. Um, I think he was responded really well. And, and I think w- w- what's going to be interesting is how he continues on this road trip. Now that they've got a big win in Minnesota, this is one of those tests coming into Calgary now that that now how do you respond? A team that beat you badly at home, um, they, they are still right there in the standings with you. You have to perform better. So this is one where coaching matters. And, and it's starting to get to the point where where those little decisions in, in who you're playing and who you're sitting and, and who you're starting a goal make huge differences in how the season progresses. Um, so, yeah, I, I would definitely say he's, he, he's on a, a progression without question because I think the most important thing for him and the way he coaches is his relationships. And I think he, he has shown that, that that is continuing to be who he is at his core is that's the most important, but now he's got to translate into trying to win. You know, it's hard for me. Like I, we talk a lot about Andre Turini, um, and and you can see the work that Corey Schwab does certainly with the goaltenders. That's more, that's more evident. I guess it's just two players, right? It's hard to judge the assistants. We don't hear from the assistants a lot on this team, which is, Actually, unusual for Coyotes teams. Like in the past, the assistant coaches have always been available to the media as well. We don't get a, as good a feel for the roles of the assistants or, you know, the collaboration between them. So it's harder to judge what those guys are doing other than the video coach who's 4-0 thus far this season. Oh, wow. Had to throw that in there, didn't he? You're right. And when you look at for the previous coaches, I know when you talk about that, their roles were, were very strictly defined when you look under Wayne, Tip, and Talkett. They all had very structured you knew who was doing what because guess what? You got to ask them. And you said where is your responsibilities? The one thing that that I think just from my understanding of Bears room is it's very collaborative there also and there's a lot of communication among and overlap among roles there too. But you're right. I, I think that does one thing though. It does the buck stops there. It, the buck stops with Andre Turney, and and there's no hey let's. I mean we can all surmise who's who's running the power play because you know um, Blaine Forsyth ran the power play for the Washington Capitals, so we can surmise that he's doing that here as well. But but, but good, bad, or indifferent, it, it, it goes across um, Coach Turney's desk, and that's how he's running things. That this is his show. And I guess he's taking some of the pressure off his assistants by by saying those things and, and taking on that responsibility. Yep. Uh, we have a $10 super chat from Lucas said, got to get ready for work, but just want to say I have faith in this team to scrape their way into that wild card spot. They're playing meaningful hockey and I'm excited for the prospects. LFG Yotes. 
I like that outlook, Lucas. And thanks so much for the super chat. Sorry, you got to work today, Lucas. I wish you were here in Dublin with me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dublin. Yeah. Dublin. Oh, boy. All right. Well, let's talk about the goaltending next because I think that's a huge part of this. Um, and it's been an interesting year for Coyotes goalies. Connor Ingram and Karel Melka have each played different roles. The Coyotes went with like a rotating goalie rotation for weeks and then it was all inky and then it was all veggie and it's just been a weird goalie situation um so let's take a look at the two goalies against each other um hunter ingram 26 games played 2.51 goals against average 919 save percentage five shutouts and a goal saved above expected of 16 plus 16.5 courtesy of Jay fresh hockey uh curl Vimelka, meanwhile has 19 games played a 3.32 goals against average an 899 save percentage one shutout and a minus 0.7 goals saved above expected that's um, from evolving hockey so you know again when you put it head to head Connor Ingram kind of clearly has the obviously the better stats here. It yep. just makes the whole situation with the goalies this season that much more interesting why it's been the way it's been. And we mentioned that Connor Ingram's stats are much better than Alexander Gorgiev's as well. Um, I don't know if we put that out there yet. So I just want to make sure that people realize that his stats are much better than an all star selection. Um, but anyway, yeah. I, I, the, this is you're right, Leah. This has been a weird year with the goalies. Like tw for 20 games, 20 full games, we went with rotating by on a game by game basis. Then Ingi got hot. They they rode him for a while. Amelka had a shorter hot streak, and and now Connor Ingram's hot again. But the overall picture, like it, it and listen, sample sample sizes are are important when measuring the success of a player. Like a, no statistician will even look at something like that's less than 20 games and say it's at all relevant. Um, we're, we've reached that point, at least with Connor Ingram, where, where we can see, okay, uh, once he rebounded and had these last two games that he had, you're like, this guy by and large this season has been an elite NHL goaltender. I really wonder, and, and, and again, I'm going to def defer to PD on this, you know, because he's been inside the coaching room, but I wonder how you manage it over the second half of the season. You know Corey Schwab. You've worked with Corey Schwab. You know everything that you need from both of your goaltenders. You understand the lay of the land. But to me, to the outsiders, Connor Ingram is clearly the better goaltender right now. At this point in both of their careers, don't you have to ride him as much as possible, knowing that you want to stay competitive, be in a playoff race late in the season? I mean, the common sense answer is, of course. And I think sometimes common sense inside the coach's room is a little different than it is out here in the in the outside world. Connor Ingram has been exceptional. And you talk about his numbers across the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League right now, and he's right there. And those teams, no offense to the Coyotes' defense, but those guys are playing on teams that have much better defense and much, you know, a deeper defensive core and, and different defensive systems. So to be playing as well as he is here in Arizona is phenomenal. And it's a phenomenal improvement improvement over last season where his numbers weren't nearly as good as they are today. Karel Vamelka's numbers this year are the same as they were last year. This is Karel Vamelka. I mean, I mean, I hate they, to they almost it. match his career stats. Like this, yeah. is this is what Karel Vamelka is. And I don't know what it is. And I don't know if it's a soapbox moment, but this, I don't know what it is inside that coach's room. And I, and I does begin with Corey Schwab. Corey Schwab has a, a view and an, and an outlook of Karel Vamelka. He really personally likes Karel Vamelka. He likes him. And I keep thinking that he's pushing. I don't know this. 
the supposition that, that he's pushing the head coach to go, hey, he's going to come out of this. He's going to come out of this. He's going to come out of this because he has shown glimpses of excellence. Glimpses. Phenomenal 50, point, uh, 50 safe shot out in Winnipeg. Those moments have been there. But at some point, some point, you have to go, Ingram's our guy. Ingram's our guy. You you just have to. Every team has to accept that. And we're talking some excellent, like quick ones, Stanley Cups, and eventually they got to go, you know what? He's our backup. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury, yeah, he's been great and he's won Cups, but now he's our backup. Kurova Malka did none of those things. Kurova Malka's played in the league for two years. I don't know what anointed him to be a number one goal in this league. I really don't understand it. Statistically, he hasn't proven it. So I don't know why the the, the, the thought process is he has to keep going back to Vimelka. I don't understand. When Vimelka got on this roster two seasons ago, we were thinking he was going to Tucson. Like they were, th- we were thinking they were the team was acquiring this player to go to Tucson, and all of a sudden now he's a number. One. We, he was entitled to the first start of the year this year. Well, Ingram was better in training camp, but you know what? Veggie's got to get the start. Well, why? I don't understand what what has put him and vaulted him so much above where Connor Ingram was at the start of the season that he's entitled to that start. Now Shane Doan's a veteran player that struggled through training camp, and you know what? He was Shane Doan. He was one of the best players ever played in the franchise. He's starting game one. Um, Karel Melka, I, I don't know if he's earned that status yet. And and yet, every time he stumbles, we got to keep putting him out. Got to keep putting him out. Got to keep putting him out. And and I guess I'm here to say, um, Connor Ingram, ride the hell out of him. Because I, I think Karel, or excuse me, Connor Ingram has been outstanding. Not just the better of the two goalies here, but he's been one of the best goalies in the National yeah. Hockey League this season. And you need these points now. You need to ride him. I understand there's back-to-backs. There's three and four, and there's situations where Connor Ingram needs to rest because this franchise, more than any other, has blown up goalies because they played too much. And, and you look at Darcy Kemper, you look at Antti Ranta, and you guys, even Mike Smith, they played extended periods of times and end up getting hurt. You need to, to alleviate that by using the other goaltender. That's why two goalies are so important. But for now, in the short-term future, it has to be Connor Ingram getting those starts. Yeah. And just to highlight um, how good Connor Ingram has been. And, you know, we gave our whole argument for why he should have been an all-star the other night. You can go back and watch that. It's on our YouTube channel now, but um, the stat goal saved above expected. If we can take a look at this ranking, um, this is all goal saved above expected leaders as of January 14th, courtesy of Jay Fresh Hockey. This was also in Craig's story. Jacob Markstrom leads the league. He's been on a hot streak. But right below him at number two is Connor Ingram, followed by Thatcher Demko, Connor Hellybuck, Linus Olmark. Like, these are unreal goalies. Joey Decord's on this list when Seattle was on a nine-game winning streak. Um, it's just crazy to see the names that he's above, of, above here, and not to mention he leads the league in shutouts. Yeah, and that's one of the things, too, I think it's important to say. And some of these statistics, and, and Craig and I have seen advanced statistics that you go, ah, I'm not sure about this metric. So you, you've got to look at the people that are surrounding him. And when you see the names surrounding Connor Ingram on this list, you go, oh, my goodness. And, and well, Joey DeCourt, Joey DeCourt has been absolutely lights out for the Seattle Kraken. He has been lights out. In, in Seattle, and you, you you talked about Lindgren in in Washington. He's clearly their better goalie over Kemper this season. So these guys, that list is legit. It's real, and he is number two in the National Hockey League on that metric. Uh, again, he has to get the start, and I'm sure he'll get the start in Calgary coming off of the shutout. But they have a day off between games. I don't know how you don't put him in against the Vancouver Canucks, and here's the other reason why. 
this this Vancouver Connect team is extremely good off of the rush. They get they they get odd man rushes. They get breakaways. They have incredible speed and skill. And if you go look at the metrics for Karelva Melka on breakaways and odd man rushes, he has difficulties in that area. So to me, it isn't even a question on who gets the next two starts. I mean, I've I penciled him in right now, uh, barring something happening if he gets blown up and pulled against Calgary. But even then, I'd come back with him against Vancouver. Just want to come back to one point you made earlier, Petey, with, with this metric in particular. Analytics are sometimes difficult to decipher, right? Because there's there are variables that they may not be considering or may not come into play. They may not be considering everything that they need to to get a measure. But when you look across the board at the analytics, whether it's high danger percentage or goals saved above expected, Connor Ingram's top five in all of these. Uh, Listen, analytics people will tell you there's only a certain degree of, of accuracy. So you have to factor that in. It's all dependent on the model. But every model that you look at for goal saved above expected, he's top five right now. High danger save percentage, he's top five. All these other stats, he's among the elite goaltenders in the NHL. Through 41 games, there is no question that Connor Ingram is the better goaltender on the Coyotes, and he is one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. Yep. Um, It does seem like he will get the start tomorrow against the Calgary Flames. Yeah, it's Um, confirmed. Yeah, yeah. it's confirmed. So if that, you know, makes you lean one way or another for betting on this game tomorrow, right now the Coyotes are plus 142 on the money line in Calgary. Flames are minus 170. The over-under is set at six in this one. So bet accordingly. You can always bet on props as well. Um, An over in saves is always a good one for the Coyotes. They, you know, allow quite a few shots on goals and if Ingram has a night like he does the other night it's sure to hit but any of those bets make sure you place them over at the DraftKings Sportsbook app Um, and right now when you download this DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code PHNX new customers can bet just five dollars on the NHL and get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets that's only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PHNX the crown is yours Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-878-97777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling. Gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. And after that, ad read, Leah needs to stop at Arizona's most loved Mexican restaurant, Sombreros. And try their popular fiesta platter loaded with mouth-watering red and green chili beef mini chimas, chimis, one of Danielle's favorites, homemade taquitos, chips, fresh guac, and their famous hot sauce. And we've talked about their salsa already that Danielle brings home by the court and actually drinks out of a glass. <laughs> That's actually, I verified that that is actually true with Danielle. Do you know they have locations throughout the valley and in Flagstaff, so you are never far from delicious, time-tested Sonoran-style recipes, lovingly prepared locally since 1986, the year I graduated high school. That, there's got to be a sign there somewhere. Um, they have new locations in Goodyear, Peoria, and the I-17 and Jomax, or you can visit someburros.com to find one near you. Let Sombreros cater your next meal, big or small. Order online to find one near you by visiting someburros.com. 
All right, let's continue this conversation and we'll talk about the forward group. Um, and this one was interesting from this off season because depth has not been a thing really on the Coyotes the last couple seasons, but then in the off season, they go out and make some signings, Jason Zucker, Alex Kerfoot. Um, they bring back Nick Bukestad. And I do think that you can look down the roster and, you know, Lawson Krause, Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz, they're up there at the top of points and goals, but different guys get it done every night. You're seeing a little bit more depth of the scoring. Matias Michelli scoring more goals. Nick Bugstad, obviously, he had his hat trick the other night. Um, what are you guys' evaluations of the forward group at the midway point? PD, go ahead. I think that what I said earlier is it's much more balanced. And when you talk about last year, Matias Michelli was third in, in, in points by forwards behind Keller and Schmaltz with 49 points. We, he, he, and 11 goals should blow that away. I mean, he's already sitting with seven goals and 29 points should blow both of those away. And I think with, with Kraus and Bugstead having a better year offensively and the Kerfoot, who's literally come out of nowhere to help fill in these, these roles. I think one thing that you're going to see up front is a much more balanced scoring from first line to fourth line. And when they're all going, and healthy. I mean, and that's something, unfortunately, I haven't seen this season, and, and every team deals with that. So that's part of it. I, I do find um, that their ability to put anybody out that could score right now, Zucker, I, I'd like to see him add to the score sheet a little more than he's been of late. But but again, you've got four lines that can potentially score. You've got size on most of your offensive lines. I like this forward group this year much better than I did a year ago. Yeah, you can you can start nitpicking some of the things. I'm not nitpicking. Like Jason Zucker probably hasn't contributed the way he would like to. Um, he's been out of the lineup a couple times. That's impacted whether it's suspension or injury. Uh, Michael Carcone was hot early in the season, hit a real cold spell of 13 games and was actually a healthy scratch the other night. But they they needed that scoring earlier in the season. The, the consistent line all season, as I mentioned in the story, was the Bukestad, Kraus, Michelli line, which of course has been broken up. But that's those were the guys that Andre felt he could send over in any situation, and he had faith that they were going to get the job done. Um, Nick Bugstad, I mean, I, I know I just wrote about Alex Kerfoot maybe being the best free agent signing. Nick Bukestad's right there with him. You can make a strong argument for Nick Bukestad as well. He obviously had the hat trick the other night, but beyond that, just the 200-foot game that he is playing right now, a lot of NHL sesk success comes with opportunity, right? You have to be playing the minutes. You have to be put in the right situations. And he certainly had that here, but man, he's, he's been thriving in Arizona. Like really, I haven't seen him thrive anywhere else in recent memory. So that's, that's been a really cool story to see Bugie come back and arguably even be better in his second tour of duty with the Coyotes than in his first tour of duty. Yeah, I think that the, one of the things you've seen out of Bugstead and this veteran guys, even like Kerfoot, is, is how he's been able to make the guys around him better. Mm. And and I think that that's important to say about players that you're bringing in as free agents. Not You, you do want them to be help these guys learn to be pros off the ice and help them in the locker room and the weight room. And, and I think Zucker has definitely performed well in that area, but you also want them to be able to be leaders on the ice. And I tell you, Bugstead to me is a guy – I know he doesn't fit on every team. I, and I talked to the people in Minnesota before and they saw him as their 13th forward two seasons ago. And, yeah. and I, I, this team, he is such an integral part an important part of the direction they're going. I still think he has a, a lot left in his game and he has been so fun to watch because to your point, Craig, it's 200 feet and he does things right. He just oh. does things right. Oh, and he might not be the fastest guy, but he, but he is, he is a veteran player that does things the right way. 
I want to ask you about a couple of big names. Uh, and, and obviously, we've talked about Barrett Hayton's absence on the top line, impacting Nick Schmaltz and Clayton Keller. And Barrett Hayton's timeline hasn't changed, by the way. He is expected to come back right after the All-Star break. So right on track there. We've seen him around the ice ten, obviously, recently. I don't think he has the cast on anymore. He may just be wearing something soft now to protect it. But Nick Schmaltz and Clayton Keller, I wrote in the story, are, and sometimes this stat is misleading, but this is a jarring stat. They're a combined minus 27. Clayton Keller's still producing. He's, you know, after his last game, he's close to a point per game player. Nick Schmaltz actually isn't on the pace that he was on recently in the last two seasons where he was close to a point per game player. How do you guys evaluate those two players right now at the midpoint of the season? Yeah, it's hard. You want to see more consistency out of your top two players. And I think the biggest issue for me is their inability to defend and their, their, their turnovers that these two create. And we'll go back to Calgary, the one Keller did start off the whole game on the wrong foot. And, and we've seen that turnover at the same spot from Nick Schmaltz. Yeah. You, you know, the offense is there on those two guys. You know, it's there. You just want to be able to see them be responsible players 200 feet. And, and I don't know if the pace of play for Schmaltz has been what you need to see from him. More when, when Schmoltz is at his best, he's playing quick and he's playing fast. He's an exceptional skater. You just rarely see that burst of speed because both of those guys at times can slow the game down. And I think they're better when they're on their toes playing fast. And I don't know if we've seen their best this season. You know, Schmoltz, you talked about a year ago, he had 58 points in 63 games, almost a point a game guy. And you go to him right now, he's got 27 and 41, way off that pace. Um, he is getting more goals on the power play right now, which is great. And that's a great sign. He's got a really good shot. But you want to see their compete level of those two players step up. I think Keller was better against Minnesota. I really saw that chip on his shoulder. I'm coming at you game against Minnesota. And I think he felt responsible for some of the things that happened in Calgary. So he played better. I want to see that fire from Nick Schmaltz. And it's a guy that's hard to get that fire. It's hard to get that motivation and that bite in his game. He, he plays at a different pace, extremely talented, but I want to see that that little, hey, I'm going to shove it up your, you know, and see if what he can do. And I just don't know if Nick Schmaltz has had that yet this season. He's going to have to um, because with without Barrett Hayton to play that rougher get-to-the-net role, Schmaltz has to pick up some of that weight. And, and they're going to have to find a way to produce until Barrett Hayton can return. Even with Kerfoot there, I don't think they have the same size guy driving the net, driving the middle, getting to the blue paint as they did with Hayton. So he's going to have to take on some of that role himself. Leah, that, was the, that was the well. That was the one thing I wanted to bring up, and I know you both mentioned Barrett Hayton, but you look at forty-one games, and I like I don't think I even realized how long it's been since he last played a game. He only played in sixteen games for the Coyotes this season. He's been out twenty-five games, so that's a huge chunk. And obviously, they still have half of this month to go without him. Um, but I wonder, you know, when we do this show at the end of the season and we evaluate everything what difference he might make in the numbers for that top line um he's kind of the missing piece for me and i was really surprised to realize just how much time he's missed because i you know it's one of those things you like you don't realize it while it's happening and he masked some of those problems that we've talked about defensively. In the defensive zone, Barrett Hayton has been that guy for that line that's been able to dig out the pucks in the corners, be able to protect the net front a little bit better. And I think there's part of that. Kerfoot's an excellent defender. Don't don't get me wrong by any stretch. And McBain is still learning. So yeah. um, I think they miss Barrett Hayton on the defensive side of the puck just as much as the offense. Maybe that's it with Jack McBain, too. Just not as experienced as Barrett Hayton, do you think? Because I know that they've tried him now uh, thinking – 
he could be he could fill the same kind of role. He could be a space creator and he could go dig pucks out. But just first of all, not as experienced in the league and then certainly not experienced playing with these two guys. Yeah, and I, I you know, let's let's talk about Jack McBean. It's his second year in the National Hockey League, and yeah. now he's playing on the top line with two guys that you're looking at and you're going, Oh my gosh, these are really good players. I don't think he is he has calmed down and settled down in that role yet. He's only played in that spot for two games. You know, he was in and out of that that spot last game, but I, I don't think he's comfortable there yet. And and I think he's probably thinking too much that I have to distribute the puck to Keller. I gotta get the puck to Keller, I gotta get the puck to Schmoltz. I think he's probably not just comfortable in being who Jack McBain is and just playing. And when he's playing in the bottom six forwards, I think it's jump over the boards and play Jack McBain hockey. And I think it's really easy for him to do that. Just, you know, straight ahead, play physical and get pucks to the net. I think he's probably thinking and trying to do a little different role in the top, a top line than he's accustomed to. So if he continues to be there, I think you'll see him get better at that. I think he just needs to relax and be Jack McBain. And, and I think he, he's having a hard time doing that, deferring to Clayton Keller and, and Nick Schmaltz. So I, I hope he continues to get another shot at that un, uh, until um, you see Hayton come back. But I, I don't know if, if he's going to get extended period of time because I don't think he has been what the magic elixir I think everybody thought that that might be. One, one second, guys. Um, still water's fine. Thank you. Okay, go ahead. Oh, by the way, do you think Craig Morgan orders still water? I call no. He's a sparkly guy all day long. No, I mean, the problem is they don't have Pellegrino here, Petey, so I don't okay. know what to do, really. it's Yeah, it's a dilemma for me. It really is. Oh, boy. All right. Let's wrap up the midseason review conversation by talking about the defense. Um, Coyotes are carrying quite a few defensemen right now. This one, I think we knew coming into the season was a weakness. You obviously get the addition of Sean Dersey, which I think has been a really welcome addition for this team. Um, but as far as maybe the least deep group, sorry, defensemen, um, it's the Coyotes defense. Yeah, we've talked a lot on this show about their deficiencies on the blue line. And maybe that's not even the right word. They just, they got a lot of guys who can man sort of the same roles. I don't feel like they have a true top pairing guy on the team right now. And we know about all the guys in the pipeline that could fill that role. Um, I've, by and large, I've liked J.J. Mosier's game. He's just a steady guy. And Petey, did, I know, did that breakdown at one point of just both of us realizing how good he is defensively and how smart a player he is. Most of John Dersey's season has been good. He had a dip for a period, but he's come back from that. So pretty, pretty content with the play of those two guys. But beyond that, it, it, it's a mixed bag. And I know PD has a lot of thoughts on this group and on the way that they're taught to defend. So fire away, PD. Yeah, I have a hard time with this. And one of the things when you talk about Andre Turnier, the system he plays in his defensive zone, he wants to attack the puck. And when you attack the puck, no matter how far you're skating to get that puck, a lot of a lot of coaches, and I'll go back to the last two, Tippett and Tockett wanted the defenseman to stay in front of that and defend. When you watch Andre Turnier's team, you often could see a defenseman up at the blue line in the defensive zone because they're chasing and pursuing the puck. To do that, you need extremely quick and incredibly smart defensemen to be able to play in that kind of a system because it's constant movement. And one thing to look for as a fan when you're watching the Coyotes play in the defensive zone, if you see somebody go like this and pointing and pointing to their teammate, there's a concern because that should just be extensional on where you should be in the zone. And there, there can tend to be a little more confusion with that. Having said that, you do have some quick and speedy players. I think Dursey is quick enough. I think Mosier is quick enough. Dumba's quick on his feet. But then you get into the reads. And we've talked about Dumba and his, his ability to read things in a defensive zone is a little 
different than what he was accustomed to doing in Minnesota. I think those reads have been a little more challenging for him, challenging for him here. We talk about Brown. Josh Brown is a physical guy. He can't play that kind of style. It's just not in his game. Stetcher's motor is nonstop. Stetcher is a goer, 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 goer. But again, I don't know if when you have all of those guys going, 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 you're ending up with them at the blue line and they're not defending. Um, I still think part of the reason we see the numbers on this defensive core is because they're spending, they're chasing the puck all over the ice instead of just you watch, watch the Boston Bruins and you watch the Vegas Golden Knights the next time you see them play and watch where their defensemen are and they're in front of the net. And I'm, I'm just, I know it's a differing philosophy. And believe me, Andre Tierney is a head coach in the National Hockey League and I never have been or will be. So I want to preface all of this with that. But this defensive core, we said coming in, they don't have that guy that that can, their best puck mover right now is Jersey. They don't have Kale McCarr. They don't have a guy in front of the net. They don't have Hampus Lindholm. They don't have the guys that can, they diff, physical guys in front of the net like you see in Vegas. They don't have that guy either. They're all a bunch of tweeners. And, and that's not a bad thing. It's okay to be a bunch of tweeners. But, but that's where this defense is right now. And are they better than a year ago? I, I think they've taken strides. I think this is, you think Gostas Bear is now gone and out of this Chikrin is now gone and out of this mix. And, and I think it's, it's, it's a group that's playing as, as hard as they possibly can. But, but I still think that this is probably still the most efficient area on this team. And they are going to have to find a way to fill those top four spots over the upcoming years when they become perennial playoff team. The good news is they are taking moves, uh, making moves. They drafted Lammer, they drafted Simashev, and obviously those guys are like far down the line. But they're they're putting the pieces in place to hopefully develop a really good and big and strong blue line. And what you said, Leah, is exactly that. The, the style of play you just talked about uh, with Mavlam and Shimashev and Boot and even Maximilian Zuber to some extent, you're talking about guys that skate incredibly well. But not only do they skate well, they're massive human beings. These are big, big physical guys and their offensive upside. Like all of the things I said that they're just lacking right now, you just named three, maybe four guys, if you throw Zuber in there, that all check those boxes. So yeah, that, that that's one of the encouraging signs of what GM Bill Armstrong has drafted, and that's the prototype player that he wants. Oh my goodness, you were talking about Colton Perrieco. That's a player that he drafted in St. Louis. That's another big guy that skates well and provide offense. Well, you're just talking about four of those. So yeah, the future is there. It's 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 okay. It's it's again part of the steps in getting there um, through through the rebuild. So I'm excited to see where it goes um, with all of these big, strong, physical, good skating defensemen. Yeah, and a, a ton of draft picks in the next three drafts as well in the first two rounds. It's crazy. Well, what are they going to do with all these guys, Craig? They got at some point they got to move some of them because. You can't sign contracts, but it is it is crazy that and this was a plan. He told us this from day one. The plan is sustainable success. So you want to have a constant pipeline of players coming into the system. And then there's competition as well. Like, yeah, you might not get signed because we have too many good players under contract. So it's it's a good situation to be in. But again, it's still a little ways down the road before we really start to see the fruits of all that labor. True, and we'll see a lot of those guys in Tucson before they're here, um, but lucky for them, it's a short trip up and down the I-10 with Circle K's all along the way. Uh, they can stop in and grab a drink, grab a snack, not while you're driving, but you can buy Four Peaks at Circle K as well. Don't don't drink and drive, but you can buy it and bring it to wherever you're going. Um, you can buy lottery scratchers there, plus Circle K, the inner circle. If you're not part of the inner circle, 
it's it's time to sign up because you get so many perks discounts on gas discounts on snacks discounts on drinks free stuff all the time they're basically giving stuff away so join the inner circle for free all you have to do is download the circle k app today it's a great app by the way amazing app interface terms and conditions apply at participating locations visit circlek.com for details and then after you're done with that and after you've filled up with your gas go to the many locations of Gila River Resorts and Casinos because nobody does it better because when you can do you, you do it at Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Their state-of-the-art gaming floor has, has it all with over 800 slot machines, 15 blackjack tables, and live table games, not to mention Arizona's largest casino sports book that we've all been in actually down at the Gila River Wildhorse Pass and Casino. And the other thing too, especially at this time of year when you're seeing the entire country in a polar vortex, guess where there isn't one? Here in Arizona, time to plan a staycation. Head to one of many Gila River resorts and casinos and let them show you what it's like to be in a staycation in one of the hottest spots in Arizona. You do you at Gila River resorts and casinos. Visit, visit, play sometimes they just stumble I, I don't know why they pay me to talk because i just can't do it dude i almost made it the whole show without doing this i'm so proud you do you at gila river resorts and casinos visit play at gila gila.com gila i'm just falling apart it's just all falling apart i think i think part of the deal is i only work by the hour and at three o'clock on a two o'clock show i'm done visit yeah. play at gila.com for more details, that's now you'll never forget. Gila dot com. That's horrific. That's <laughs> Sorry, Gila River. Uh, you uh, you stumbled there on the landing. It's okay. That's oh okay. man, I know we have been going really long, but uh, just before we wrap up here, just a thought on all of, from each of you going forward to the f- next forty one games. What do you think's in store for this team? For me, it's it's I'm, like I'm focused on these next seven games. Can they stay in it? These next seven games before the All Star break, because then you get a break, you can refocus. I feel like that. I don't know why I keep thinking this, but the all-star break is such an important deadline for me. If they're still in it at that point, I feel like this team is going to be competitive the rest of the way. If they can write the ship a little bit after that homestand here. And I, I again, PD and I both said this tonight's or tomorrow night's a, a must win against the Calgary flames. They have to win that game. If they can play well into the break, I feel like this team is going to hang around the rest of the season. And that will be fun to watch. I want to have a, see a team that plays competitive games till the end of the season, whether that means a playoff spot or not. I just want to see them compete. My concern is that once the trade line comes and, and some teams stock up, that this team starts to take a slide. You don't want to see them. You want to see them competing no matter who's in their roster, who's not, and where they are in the standings. You want to see them compete. And I think that's the most important thing, that they continue to compete for those 41 games. And I also want to see what path this goaltending takes because I really think Connor Ingram can can be the guy that can be here for a while and really be a mainstay in the back um, of this Coyotes lineup. You saw my uh, you saw Bill Armstrong's quote, Leah, at the bottom of that story. Looking at the trade deadline, they'll have played 63 games, by the, by the way, by the time they get to the trade deadline, there'll only be 19 games left in the season. But he said, uh, I, I don't want it like generally, I don't want to break this team up. I like the progress we've made and I think we're heading in the right direction. But there is transparency with the guys that if it if it goes south, management is going to do what it needs to do. And you know what that means. Yep. So exciting. It's exciting to look 
down at the second half of the season and not just be counting down the days until the game 82 ends like this could be an exciting stretch and it's really in the coyotes hands so we will of course follow along but uh before we wrap up i do want to let everybody know about a really exciting event coming up um it's the first ever phnx putting party at putting world we've actually been to putting world it was so fun um and it's gonna be a watch party if you're you can putt and it's not like a putt putt place you know with the no it's the, not goofy golf yeah it's like if you're into golf this place is amazing um so you you can get out there you can putt you can watch the phoenix suns with the phnx suns crew they're taking on the mavericks um and every ticket includes unlimited beer and wine and free putting so what? yeah let me just say that again unlimited beer and wine and free putting so make sure you get your tickets to this today, January 24th. It starts at 6.30 p.m. It's going to be a freaking blast. And of course, if you're a diehard, you get 20% off on tickets to all events, including this one. So you can get the link in the show notes or visit gophnx.com to grab wow. your tickets today. If you're a diehard and you're logged in to gophnx.com as a diehard, you will see the discounted tickets um, in your account. So wow. make sure you grab your tickets. It's going to be a really fun event. And we hope to see everybody out there at Putting World on can January 24th. Leah, can we pull out some of that video? I mean, not today, because we're already... Because some of the video that you, Craig, and I, when we went to Putting World, I never saw... Did any of that see the Yeah, it was... Day? It was they On PHNX Sports tweeted a video the other day. Oh, okay. On Instagram, all, I remember, all I remember is carrying Team PHNX Kyle. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 really I, like I was we curled, Craig and I curled. That's something. in the there video. Might a little, there might be some physicality. It made it the is, video, yeah. Is it in Twitter or is it Instagram on or Twitter. TikTok? It's on Twitter. I didn't see it. I'll find it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this has been a good one. It's been a long one. We had a lot to talk about, but you know, it was a mid-season check-in, and you know, with the the What Chaos guys, we always go forever. But thank you again to DJ Bean. Be sure to, again to tune into What Chaos tomorrow, 10 a.m. Arizona time, to check out their interview with Sean Dersey. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Me too. And- and of course, we'll be live tomorrow after the Coyotes take on the Calgary Flames. So tune in after that game on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. And be sure to subscribe. Uh, we don't just have live shows. We have a ton of extra content on our YouTube channel as well. And we don't want you to miss any of it. We also don't want you to miss our weekly audio-only episodes that we've started last week. PD caught up with Steve Potvin to talk about the, I, the uh, Tucson Roadrunners. But... This week, we're catching up with former Coyote Connor Garland. Um, and that, again, is audio only. So be sure you subscribe to wherever you get your podcast, PHNX Coyotes. And if you're already subscribed, make sure you leave us a review. It really means a lot to us. You can just hit tap the little five stars. It takes two seconds. Um, but in the meantime, you can follow us all on Twitter at SPetertalky, at Craig S. Morgan, at Leah Merrill, Danielle Behind the Scenes, at Abraka Danielle. And you can follow the show on Twitter at PHNX underscore Coyotes. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, everybody. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Um, Just want to acknowledge that as well. Um, And have a great rest of your day, everybody.